Hello, everyone, and welcome to this month's episode of the TMI Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Rocker-Priori, and we have our new co-host, Andrew Nixon. For today's episode, we have Nick Mbaga, who is an assistant professor of entrepreneurship and innovation at Butler University. I know Nick from when he did his PhD at University of Tennessee, and Nick was really well published even before he graduated. He has papers in journal business venturing and organizational research methods. And one of the things that made Nick a really interesting person in terms of his career getting to a PhD is he actually started multiple businesses before he came to do the PhD and still runs them now. When he decided to pick a school to go to as an assistant professor, he chose to go to Butler, which is a teaching-oriented school. So it's a big change coming from a research school like University of Tennessee. So we're really excited to have him on today to talk about what that decision was like, why he chose to go to a teaching school, and what he's learned over the last couple of years since he's been there. So Nick, welcome to the podcast. Every season we do a different icebreaker question. So this is season five. Um, this season's icebreaker question, since it's all about teaching, is what was your favorite project or assignment you did in school as a kid? It's a very interesting question. I will tell you the most memorable uh, assignment was my freshman year at Middle Tennessee State University. I was taking an entrepreneurship course and we had to write a business plan. And business plan, okay, you know, we most entrepreneurship programs kind of will classes force you to do that. But the only difference is, is that the business plan that I use, we actually ended up using it for a bank and creating a business with. And so at the time I was interested in just starting anything. And uh, we ended up starting a uh, commercial kind of cleaning service. And so that's what I wrote the business plan up for. Ended up going to a bank and we didn't get a loan using that original business plan for the commercial uh, cleaning business. But what we did is we revamped, we used this as a shell when we started um, another business, which is our home healthcare business. And so that shell turned into an actual uh, business plan that ended up allowing us to get you know, funding from the bank. So that would be the most impactful assignment because it actually was applied and meant something. Did you ever, like when you were a kid, think that you would be interested in entrepreneurship? Were you entrepreneurial as a kid? No, I, didn't. I don't think I, I probably around, well, if you define kid, I'll stop at eighth grade. Anything before, below, before eighth grade, then no. Starting high school, yes, because me and my friends used to sell um, Jordans and throwback jerseys. I don't know if y'all remember throw, throwback jerseys. And um, we used to, we had a connect like in Korea. This is before um, it was easy to buy items from China. We had to connect a military friend who was in Korea and he used to be able to get uh, throwbacks and he would sell them here and we'll sell them for half the price. They were going for like 400 and we'll sell them for like 200. Um, and so that was the time when I got the entrepreneurship bug and my friends were entrepreneurs, sell CDs, you know, everything, you know. So I did start young, but not eliminate stand age. Yeah, there's a big supply chain there. What did you use the money for? Just to buy, to buy Jordans, to buy our own personal Jordans. Because <laughs> the Jordans were, you know, they're, they're the same ones, but they're a little bit, they're variants, so they're not perfect. So one little deviation, 
from the traditional Jordan would that we would sell. And people knew that. We're like, look, you're not buying it from finish line. But then we'd use the money we got back to go buy clothes and, and, and buy Jordans ourselves. So how did you get into academia? How did you know this is what you wanted to pursue? How did you wind up where you're at now? I'll try to not make this a long one to answer, but at one point, I always wanted to be an hybrid entrepreneur, uh, just through conversations with family members and friends. And so um, when I finished college, we started our family business. So I was working on the entrepreneurship part. Um, I had my mom's an academic, but she's in microbiology and plant pathology. And so all her friends are academics. And so I used to take classes with some of her friends and colleagues. And so it was through these conversations with business professors that were friends that they said, hey, it's a pretty good career. You know, you can make decent money and, you know, you can make a difference in some way. Uh, and they seem pretty happy. And, and that, I think, was the catalyst of me at least thinking about what it would mean to be an academic. But it wasn't until 2014, Frank Michello was a friend of mine. He's a mentor of mine. Uh, he's a finance professor at NTSU and he's my professor. He sent me an email about the PhD project. And he said, if you're really interested in getting a PhD, check out this application. I'll write a recommendation letter for you. I applied. He wrote the recommendation letter. I got in. And if you've ever been to the PhD project, it's almost impossible not to get inspired. So at that point, I got in and applied to the University of Tennessee. And I got to give a, actually a shout out to Edwina. Edwina, I think, is that she was at UGA as a doctoral student. I don't know where she's at now. She may be at South Carolina, Edwina Hill. But I always say this because I don't know if she knows this, but we're all at the PhD project. You're getting all this information about GMAT and our recommendation letters and uh, statement of purpose. And we're, we're not all quite ready to apply to a program. But Edwina had told me, like, Nick, you're ready. You're going to get in. Just apply. And that little bit of confidence made me apply. Apply to the University of Tennessee. Got in. Went through the program. Met Ashley um, and all the other doctoral students there. And then graduated and now currently at Butler University. So, Nick, before we jump into the next question, can you give a little bit of insight on what the PhD project is? I think you are the first guest we've had that has brought it up, but I think it's a really awesome initiative that more people should know about, especially our listeners that are not um, located in the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the PhD project is essentially a nonprofit or social initiative that started by KPMG many years ago, and it focuses on um, identifying talented uh, Black, Hispanic, and um, Native American <clears throat> students who are interested in pursuing a doctoral in a business program. And so they host a conference annually. And through this conference, they typically identify students for each discipline, finance, management, marketing, whatever this business field. And, um, the great thing about the PhD project is just a big support system. It's a big family. And so we have associations tied to each, doctoral associations tied to each discipline. So I was part of MDSA, which is the Management Doctoral Student Association. Association, excuse me. And what you find with the PhD project is that you just, it's a big support system where um, students actually tend to do really well through a program. So I think last time I checked, it was like a 90-something percent 
uh, completion rate. So starting doctoral program to finishing, I think it's 70 on average. So folks are finishing at a much higher rate than traditional student, and that's because that's important. Thank you, yeah. So could you tell us about the university that you're at in terms of you ended up at this teaching university, kind of talk about that process, decision-making, and like when you might have thought that's the right spot for you to go? Yes, that's a good question. Um, so I'm at Butler University, it's a small liberal arts university in Indianapolis, Indiana, it has about 5,000 students, primarily undergraduate, 18 to 22 year old traditional student. Quite kind of small campus. Um, how I ended up there is, you know, at the University of Tennessee, at the time, we really had a four-year program. And so, um, and I was in a different situation where uh, I had a spouse, I have a spouse who's an academic as well. And so we were trying to identify a place where we can both land. And uh, Butler is one of those universities that you know, offered an us an opportunity to both land, um, you know, set ourselves within a college business. She was in Orcom and she wanted to go into the college business. That worked out. I was in entrepreneurship and slash strategy and it worked out for me. So I would say that was one of the main reasons we ended up at Butler University. Another reason was really is I really like the people. So I ended up meeting um, people on the search committee, which was Stephanie and Stephanie Fernhaber and some, and we had a good conversation. And I knew Stephanie was doing great research. Assam had, you know, AMR, he has done some other good research as well. So I'm like, I thought to myself, well, I'm gonna go to university that is teaching focus, at least let me be in a department with colleagues who are publishing at high levels. And so that helped me feel comfortable with, with the decision. So Nick, what out of your, I mean, you taught when you were here, you've taught since you've been at Butler. If you had to think back on your best and your most challenging experiences you've had in the classroom, what do you think each of those would be? Interesting question. I would say the best experience in the classroom I actually really enjoy this class. I teach here about like, called Real Business Experience. It's a class where we students are actually provided, uh, I think Andrew dropped off with us, but um, they provide a small loan. We, the university provides a small loan of $2,000 and students then can use that loan to find vendors, go through a sales funnel, actually sell their products and make a profit. So that class is fun because you know students are put through the ringer you know, they, they have to actually apply for a loan. It doesn't follow, you know, a bank loan process, but it gives you an introduction to what it, what it might look like. Um, they have to justify and, and you know, provide rationale for why they think they would sell this amount. They have to put together financial statements, cash flow statements, income statements, balance sheets. And then at the end, they have to present it uh, to a panel of experts. So that class is super fun. And I get to see uh, students either succeed in this process or kind of falter. There's there's kind of a um, system, a safety net for them. So students just don't flat out fail in the process. And then end up making some sort of profit and breaking even and paying back their loan. They do have to pay back to the university. But that's been fun. I, I have to, that's a really fun class. Um, teaching at my worst or experiences of teaching um, that have been a challenge, I would say is, to Andrew's question earlier, when you have those 
competing interests arising and you have other obligations like service obligations because I don't know how it is in research universities incentivize and protect junior faculty a lot more to make sure that they can be research productive. And they do that here, you know, at the teaching university, there's a lot more room to fall into kind of the service because the university has, you know, certain needs that are tied to student, to the student life, campus life. And so you kind of got to engage in those anyway for tenure. I think balancing the service along with the research and the teaching, that's where it be, where you make those decisions. And I've made a decision in terms of what has to not be the priority. And I hate saying that, but you have to make a choice. Ultimately, I made my choice. I think we've we've talked a bit about this, but if you're giving advice to doctoral students about pursuing a teaching-oriented university, you know, what's what's one thing they need to know about the experience? It is an enriching experience. I'll tell you kind of the pros and then I'll go into the cons and I'll say some, some tips. So the pros is you have a student body or base that they're really involved. Like my students rarely miss class. Um, they get prepared for class and it's, it's a good thing. And you can have good conversations in the classroom. Not all the time, but many times you can. Uh, I think that's a pro. So there's some um, positive feedback you get from that. I think if you enjoy teaching and in and, and pedagogy, there's a lot of support for that. And there's gonna be a lot of support university-wide in terms of giving, providing you with resources and tools to become a more effective uh, teacher. And all those things are important. So we have mentoring programs and shadowing programs. Uh, we've had uh, opportunities where faculty are incentivized with extra payment to bring in certain topics in the classroom. So I've, I went through a social justice and diversity fellowship and that fellowship focused on bringing kind of social justice and diversity perspectives into the classroom and weave not just boilerplate language on the uh, syllabus, but rather it's weaved in through all aspects of the classroom, from the content to the material to the deliverables. And so you'll have some of that support. Um, those are some of the pros. Some of the cons um, will be that there's a lot of curriculum change that I, I never would have predicted and anticipated that it seems like we're constantly changing the curriculum. And sometimes I don't uh, always understand what the purpose is in changing the curriculum and adapting this class and adding this component, taking out this component. And uh, so that can be a challenge. Um, you know, things are constantly changing and we're maneuvering um, classes around. Uh, one other pro I wanted to add in too is if you do want to change class and you do want to offer a new class, there's a lot of support for that too. So there's a lot of flexibility and freedom to engage in, in teaching uh, courses that you may want to teach because it's relevant to the student body. So I think those are the two pro, those are pros and those are cons. And some tips for future um, doctoral students who uh, want to go to a teaching school. The number one thing is don't forget you still have to publish. You can't forget that part. Uh, the other uh, tip and advice I have for you is find a really good, uh, effective instructor at the university that you're going to and you know, shadow them. Ask them, you know, the, the tips and techniques. They're more than likely, uh, they're, they're more likely to be, be willing to share some of their ideas and some of the tools that they have. Um, and then lastly, just enjoy it. 
You know, if you're not enjoying class if you're teaching, you know, be vocal about it and see if you can identify classes that you want to teach and, and those, those courses, uh, not only for yourself, but for your students. Because sometimes the classes that we teach can be a little bit outdated. Academia is not catching up uh, to what's going on in the social world. Uh, I think a lot of that's my students at the time. I'm like, how often do you go to YouTube to learn something? They're like, everyone raises their hand, like, YouTube is a real source. And I think that's where universities are falling behind. We're not using um, our skill sets in, in more effective ways for teaching. If you enjoy teaching, I would say pursue it. If you really do, I know sometimes there's pressure at uh, research R1 or research oriented universities that research is the only way to have a successful career in academia. And I don't, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that's one perspective and one strategy that you can use to be in a, to be have a successful career. But you know, I, I think there's opportunities to do both well. It just it's on you to kind of figure out what takes priority when things get really tight. I think that's the main thing I want you know, any listeners to take away from this, when you can be successful in both areas. And if you feel like you're, you're not getting, if you are focused on teaching and you're not getting the support that you want for that, then you have to identify that community that will support you. They're out there. Looking back now, it's been seven years since you started your PhD. What's one piece of advice you wish you could give yourself for when you first started? Black data earlier, you know, start projects earlier. I would say that that'd be a piece of, uh, that's a tough question. Let me, so yeah, I would say collect data earlier and, and start writing early. Just start writing, get a paper finished, go through the process, submit it, understand what a view is, just start everything a little bit earlier. That's, a, that's what I would say. Uh, the number one issue is people are afraid. You're afraid to face that sort of rejection. Uh, you're afraid to put your, yourself out there and your work out there. And you're afraid to, because you don't want to embarrass your university. You, you have to, okay, just don't throw it out there. Go through a vetting process, like get it peer reviewed, have your first doctoral students read it, give them, get peer feedback, iterate, make adjustments, then finally have your professor read it, iterate, and then get approval from your professor. You just say, hey, this is my plan. And provide rationale for it. I'm doing this because A, I want to go through the review, uh, the review process to get experience on what that is and what they may feel like. B, this, give, this shows me that I can actually write a full paper and submit it. And that's a process that I need to go through. I can't wait to a third or fourth year to do that. Um, and then, you know, lastly, it's, it's also an opportunity that if you really like the paper and you think it has an opportunity to go somewhere, I'd, I would love to, for you to join the paper. And so there, you got to put the rationale for them and then just say, they say no, you know, you got to make that decision of whether you're going to do it or not. I would, I would personally, if I had a good advisor, you know, Dave Williams was my advisor, if Dave said no, I wouldn't submit it because he's looking out for me. And so just know, know who your advisor is and if they feel like they're looking out for you, then I would definitely respect their opinion. And then touch back, touch base with them again. After you made the revisions, touch base with them again and say, hey, take a look at this paper again. What do you think? And they may change their minds. Thanks for being on here. I always love having talking to you. And I think uh, you always have great insights and 
a positive attitude to everything. So I appreciate it. Oh, Andrew and Ashley, man, I love what y'all doing. This is amazing. Um, and I think it's a great resource and tool for doctoral students and junior faculty and everyone because uh, faculty can benefit from this by hearing some of the challenges that doctoral students may be facing or junior faculty may be facing. And then if it's, if it's a research episode, I may pop in and listen, okay, what are they talking about? Let me, let me hear some tips and tricks. We're always learning. If you're not learning in this field, then you're doing something wrong. Uh, thank you for inviting me. And it was, it's been a pleasure and honor to be on here. We want to say a big thanks to Nick for being here with us today. We also want to thank all of you for listening and for hanging out with us while we had our brief hiatus. We're excited to be back and doing these episodes and offering this podcast for all of you. If you have any suggestions or questions for future episodes, please feel free to reach out to our email address, tmientpod at gmail.com. And Andrew, Josh, and I look forward to reading your suggestions and hearing from you. And until next time.